Welcome to the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit, the number one place for inspiration to help you start, run, or grow a winning business. I'm Johnny Quirk, and each week we bring you some amazing guests from a wide variety of businesses, all talking about their journey, motivations, and top tips for entrepreneur success. We deliberately aim to bring you stories, interviews, and real people who are fully deep in the trenches, building their businesses, and sharing actionable insights that you can use for your own entrepreneurial business journey. So whatever you're building, we're excited to be part of that journey with you. If you like what we do, don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get on with the show. Hey guys, welcome to the Go Solo Show. I'm Johnny Quirk, and we're back once again with some amazing stories on how to start, run, and grow a winning business. So on this week's show, it's all about fitness and health coaching. And today we're meeting some amazing people who've successfully built a business in this space. A very warm Go Solo welcome today to Bobby Aldridge of BAM Metrics based out of California. Bobby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on. And we also have Rick Mayer, which I'm excited to say as well. Rick has a number of businesses, uh, all obviously around kind of training. Uh, He's based out in Atlanta, Georgia. Rick, great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Brilliant. And as you can see, a great combination of guests we have this week. There's so much stuff to learn from their kind of years in business. So let's get on with the show. Right. Brilliant. So as you know, uh, regular listeners and viewers, we always start by getting a bit of a background about the people who are obviously on the show as well. So let's start off by asking this question. And uh, do you know what, Rick, you're first up here because you're kind of in my line of sight here. So in a nutshell, (laughs) tell us what is your business? You know, what is it that you do and, and what sets you apart from everybody else? Yeah, uh, right now we do fitness franchising. So we we are franchising a fitness concept, and uh, that's what we spend. So I spend most of my time on right now. Um, historically speaking, you know, we've been in business for thirty years. We have evolved from a single location to multiple corporate locations to a what we were calling a licensing model. So we were powering in a white labeled version clubs all over the world, you know, 2,300 clubs at one point we were powering with personal coaching systems and business systems. And then in uh, 2020, which turned out to be an interesting year for everyone, I think we pivoted (laughs) to full franchising. So, you know, we're doing well, we're doing really well. So we're selling well and, and powering that. But yeah, I mean, I think what makes us different is 30 years of experience, right? Worldwide experience. And the fact that we've always done this one thing really well, which is personal training and coaching. And, and we're targeting a, maybe a different customer avatar than most other fitness concepts, which is really it's folks that can afford personal training. So that pushes the age bracket a bit older. So you can imagine 45 to 65 with money is our avatar, which as you guys know, affects everything from real estate choices to marketing materials to everything, right? goes into that. So yeah, I mean, that's a, a 30 years of overnight success. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that story. Like you said, we'll, we'll keep these medium length answers so yah that, that's it for us that's what well, we're doing right now no that's amazing and to be honest giving us that persona that avatar is so strong that was actually the next follow-up question so that's great to obviously hear that right now and like you said 30 years of experience is incredible because you've learned what works and now you're sharing that and obviously of the franchise model you know we're going to dig a little bit later in the show in terms of franchising and how what gave you the confidence to take that kind of leap as well um bobby what's your background you know like what is your business who are your customers tell us more please yeah it's it's kind of the same thing as rick i've been in the business for 30 years and i remember getting out of college graduated from the university of san francisco right here played basketball and baseball and then 
started training and got one certification, CSCS. And I'm out there training and I'm like the smartest trainer in the world. I'm, I'm the, the guy, right? And I'm ripped, I'm in shape, da, 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 da. And then after 30 years of doing it, there are so many smarter people out there to learn from. I have 13 different certifications now. And what I did with my business in the last 10, 12 years is I started inventing these tools to help people move better based on metrics. So one quick story is I was working with 37 physical therapists in a room and I asked them, do you guys all know the staggered stance minivan walk? And they all go, yeah, of course, give me three therapists after. So they come on out. I give them a, some perform better, a yellow band, a green band and a blue band. Yeah. They start doing it. And I said to all the other, I said to all the other, um, sorry. I said to all the other, um, therapists, what would you change about their movement? What would be different in what they're doing that you would change? And so they started saying, put your feet closer together, move your feet wider. They started telling them all these different things to do. And I was like, all right, stop. And I flipped my mats over and I said, Hey, you stand at one box, you stand at two box, you stand at three boxes. And the girl that I told three boxes had the blue band on, which I knew was about to happen. So long story short, she starts doing it. The other two were perfect. And then they start going, hey, move in one box. So the language started to, we can speak a language yeah. on it's simple and exercise as the minivan walks, how wide are your feet? So what I did is I made these tools to help with movement. So in the gym, there's 700 exercises you can do with the different tools I have. Wow. Just normal exercise. This is things that are going on every day. It simplified it for the professionals where they can yeah. keep track and see where they are. And for the average person trying to go home from therapy, like a corporate wellness program where they go home and go, what do I do? Yeah. Hey, do this one exercise. It's going to help your neck and shoulders. Do this exercise. It's going to help your back so you can play some more golf. Yeah. And long story short, it's been, I've been working on mobility with these tools for the last 12 years and uh, been getting great results. And then I train the trainers. So they can get CEUs while they're learning how to use the tools and um, and share it around the country. So I'm loving hearing these stories as well. You guys have obviously got so much experience, but again, you found out what works for you as well. It kind of leads so well into this next question, really, which again, I'm going to put out to you, Rick, uh, to start off with. And, you know, so many people choose why they do something on life. You know, you could be doing something completely else. You know, you're both clearly successful businessmen. You've created programs, you've created businesses, you've, you know, you've stuck to it. You've got, you know, 30 years each experience here, which is crazy. Why do you do what you do? Like what got you into fitness in the first place? Like, you know, like what's your reason for doing this? Yeah. um, I mean, for, for me, it was just something that was a hobby. I think, you know, a lot like Bobby mentioned earlier, you're training yourself for sports Mm. and you end up falling in love with the training. You know, I was an average athlete at best. So for me, the (laughs) the training was the thing I seemed to do the best, believe it or not. And so, you know, I was paying my way through college as a personal trainer and thought, you know, wouldn't it be a novel idea if we put four walls in in a really good customer experience around this service of personal training? And of course, this is in 92. So for us, you know, there was no internet of things at the time. So, you know, I'm always claiming to be the first, certainly the first in my area yeah. to offer a facility dedicated to just personal training. So I think, you know, there's a couple, a couple of ways to look at it. Like, why do we do it? Well, it's, it's a noble thing to do, right? I mean, to be able to put your head on the pillow every night and know that you're literally making a difference in people's lives. You know, I mean, you could probably back your way into that argument if you're selling widgets or coffee or something and all those <laughs> things 
are amazing and useful. But I think certainly fitness is a direct connection between what you're putting out and the service that you're selling and the direct effect on people's lives. So that's great. And then quite honestly, if you run your business right, certainly in a franchise structure, it's very lucrative. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. You can actually really make great money and you can help people at the same time and legitimately help people. So for me, there's it's, the, it's all I've ever done. It's the only job I've ever had. <laughs> can't imagine doing anything else. So yeah, you fall in love with it as a personal hobby and it turns into a, a full on 30 year career. So I'm super, th- super thankful to still be doing it, you know, to this day. Yeah. And look, you've got a big smile on your face as well for people in the audio as well. Clearly you love it. And I'm seeing a Venn diagram <laughs> between kind of money and reward and, you know, you found your purpose for existing on the planet. So it's kind of good. Bobby, is that Venn diagram showing the same for you? Is, is that a similar kind of experience for yourself? Yeah, I was an athlete, so I was lifting and doing things along the way. And then yeah. in college, my junior year, I broke my back in a car accident and wow. went through rehab and went through gaining 60 pounds and getting fat and out of shape because I was, you know, I had to sit around. I couldn't do things. And it was new to me. And I was my girlfriend at the time was cooking fantastic food and giving me milkshakes every night. So it was like I was on the weight gain diet and I literally gained 60 pounds. Um, and I was one of the first before and after pictures with Bill Phillips back in the day where I tried to get in his contest to win it. I wanted to win a hundred thousand dollars. And I was that guy that lost 60 pounds in two and a half months. And Bill Phillips kicked me out of his contest saying I couldn't have done that. It was digitized my pictures. Da, 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 da. So long story short, I sent a, I, I sent an email to ProSource and I said, Hey, I got a great result using your products. And they sent me, uh, they called me the next day and said, Hey, we want to shoot you next week in our video down in LA. And I hooked up with those guys and became the first before and after for the next five years. I traveled the country. I was a spokesperson and for uh, pro source Zenadrin was the big one. Zenadrin. You remember that when, it, when the baseball player took too many died in Florida and then they took it off the market, a Fedra. So I hope you've got that lawsuit uh, but, in for that hundred thousand as well. Still, you know, like, uh, uh, surely that was, was the biggest ripoff of the year. <laughs> I was so disappointed though because I worked so hard. I w- I spent an hour in the morning, hour at night, and an hour in the middle of the day while I trained all day long. Yeah. And to gain to gain the weight the second time because in college I told you I gained that weight, so I was fat. But I lost it and got ripped, and everybody saw me as the ripped guy in shape all the time. And I said, no, no, I know what it's like to be fat. And they never believed me. So my brother goes, Bob, why don't you gain that, that weight back and show these people, you know, that you can do it. So I, I drank five quarts of half and half a day for seven straight weeks until I got chubby fat, like literally cellulite, <laughs> right? And I, I had a beard. I was fat. I'll have to show you guys the picture. I'll grab it in a second and show it to you. But it was like, it was crazy. It was, it was, uh, but when people saw it, the biggest thing for me was watching the girls in the gym treat me differently. Girls that I liked that would never talk to me when I got fat came up to me and said, oh, you're so cute and adorable. And would give me a hug. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? This is like strange. <laughs> so it, anyway, that was, that was no, a I, lot I of think experience. It's but I think what I've, you know, like we, we, I think this is about episode 25. We've recorded the Go Solo show now. And the vast majority of entrepreneurs we meet, whether they're yogis, interior designers, fitness uh, professionals, there's always been, it's, it's been about your life first. There was a reason for you getting into it. I think that's the longevity of a successful business is because it's actually almost transformed you. It speaks to your personal interest. It's not, you're just not just getting into it for a quick book. 
clearly there has been some passion or you've made a difference or you've basically seen something in your own life that makes you go, wow, I want to share this with the world. I want to get it out. And I think they're the kind of stories that anybody can tell to potential clients as well and customers is that, look, you follow my methods, you do it my way or, or see who I'm coaching and training and you could have the same results as well. So, you know, I think that's so strong and I love hearing those stories as well. I just want to kind of pick up on a point that Rick mentioned before about personal training. And this was obviously saying that, you know, you're talking about your demographic here, Rick, and it's mainly kind of, I guess, boomers probably in terms of more disposable income. They want that more personal touch nowadays. I mean, is the personal training industry now in the zeitgeist? It's probably an open question to both of you. I mean, you know, like, is it only going to get more and more that people actually are spending more and more literally on their own personal fitness? Maybe going to the gym is great to have, but actually they will happily spend more to get those kind of really dedicated results for themselves. Yeah, I think so. I think what we're seeing, um, Johnny, coming out of COVID certainly is a little bit of a redirection to more health, yeah. right? And, and sort of the negative ramifications of being unhealthy if something like this is to present itself it puts you at a much higher risk. And we, you know, there's tons of statistics to support this now. So I see it as a good thing. And yeah, certainly our customer avatar, um, it's really more like we're not trending. It's really hard to market old, as you guys know, like I'm in the age bracket that I would target. And if you said, Hey, come work out at like silver fitness or <laughs> silver Fox fitness or something, <laughs> I wouldn't go, you know, I'm not that guy. I mean, you look at Bobby, he looks 20 years old. I can't believe he's been in business before he was born. But it's like, he's not going to go to a place like that either. So the real key is how do you market this to that consumer? Because if you take someone who's 45 to 65 and they, you know, we're, we're putting a, a certain archetype around this customer. And one of the main archetypes is called a mover and a shaker. Mm. Well, they're typically gainfully employed. They make really good money. And that person likes other nice things. So always parallel what we do with say a premium automobile brand. If you look at Porsche as an example, it's not that a Porsche is not cool to a 28 year old, it's just that they can't afford it, right? Yeah. So if you look at the, the average customer avatar that like Porsche sells to, it's gonna be someone in their 40s and 50s that's amassed enough wealth to be able to purchase a $150,000 mobile, whatever that may be. So we look at it the same way. So when we take this to market, it's more premium, it's specificity, it's accountability, it's tools like what Bobby's talking about, just more advanced tools that, that speak well to consumers that are I guess you would say more savvy or smarter or they want to feel smart. They want to associate with the brand. As you know, part of branding is like, what kind of identity does this bring me? It's smart. It's what my friends do, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, hundred percent. I, I see an uptick it, as much as COVID was disruptive for selling a franchise concept to investors because there were states where it wasn't allowed to even operate. Like, you know, again, Bobby's out of California. He could certainly speak to that. But for us, it's been really good coming out of COVID based on this customer avatar that we're attacking. And I would hate to say it, you know, it sounds odd to say, but I think COVID for us is actually going to be a blessing, yeah. you know, coming out of this. And we're seeing more and more of our customer avatars coming to the table and the franchise concept is well received as well because other people understand. Turns out that our ideal franchisee is kind of fits in the same age bracket because you have to have money to buy a franchise, right? Yeah. And so they understand it because they're the you know, by default, they're the customer avatar that we're targeting as well. So yeah. they look at it and say, oh yeah, there's not a lot of things that are targeting me, right? Most are leaning towards 30 year old fit females. It's like, yeah. that's what most class-based concepts are, are attracting. So, 
so yeah, it's, it's been all good. All signs point to go for us. Yeah. And that sounds really exciting. And I think, you know, again, we hate to use the word opportunities here in terms of COVID, but they will be opportunities that come out. Right. Like I said, you know, we've recorded all of our shows through the pandemic as well on this. I'm just interested to know, I mean, I'll ask Bobby first, because you've just told a little bit about this, Rick, but again, we'll find out your experience after this. How was the pandemic for you guys? Like, like, how did you know, like, what was your initial reaction? Obviously, you work with people very closely. Like you said, Rick, you sell into people. Bobby, you have people you work alongside quite closely as well. You know, how did you cope with that initial worry, I want to say, that initial thought, that pivot that you maybe had to make, that, you know, like where you were going to take the business? And again, has it created any opportunities that have come out? You know, have you created new products? Have you created new online offerings? Tell me, Bobby, how, how did you handle it? Well, for me, it was it was actually a blessing because it became people couldn't get to the gym yeah. and I had the fix for that. So one of my if you go on my website, bam-metrics.com, one of my players who is a mini tour player, he calls me and goes, Bob, what am I going to do? I can't get I can't get into the gym. What am I going to do? He's panicking. And I'm like, dude, you have your mat, your blocks, your bands and your medicine ball. We're good to go. So I give him his workout Do two and a half months later. COVID opens up golf and he goes out and he plays. Mm. His driver was broken. So he sends me that text that's on my website right there. If you scroll down right below Todd down there, he sends me this text and he goes, holy crap, do I have a new gear? And he says, I'm swinging my three wood 120 miles an hour plus. He tells me he has no shoulder pain, no back pain. He's feeling great. And his friend who hits the ball with him with his driver, he was hitting it past him with his three wood. And he goes, wow. I didn't think this was possible. So he was like so excited. And I had multiple people like that. But the other thing was Zoom, I would have never thought to train on Zoom where yeah. I, then I started having seven, eight, 10, 12, 30 people on one Zoom call yeah. working with them and I could do 15 minutes. So a yeah. corporate wellness program, I could run from my garage where I set up everything in my garage. It's a three car garage. I built a platform behind it over here so I have an Olympic platform with everything on there. I got all the kettlebells. It's all here. So depending on who I'm teaching, I go live and I can teach. I can teach trainers live. I send them my equipment. They have it. We go live. We talk. We can do a seminar right here. So those are things that I adapted as within the first week or two where I built the platform. I had everything set up in here and I was good to go. And I was yeah, really rocking right at COVID when people were saying like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And I was calling trainers saying, I can certify you. I can train you around the I like country. That. I can get you, I can get you business right away. Call all your clients, tell them, Hey, I'm going to send you this equipment. Boom. And we were set up. And that's, yeah. that's really what I'd like to talk about with the gym owners and the franchisees like you, Rick, is we have tools that aren't quick fixes. These are going to be around and I'll show you why sometime in the future, but these exercises are simple. I take out rotation in the body. It helps your mobility, which is the key to success of performance. Mm -hmm. And it reduces pain. And that's what I want to travel around with perform better and start doing some of these seminars because I worked with Todd down there and before COVID and we had seven professional baseball players from all different teams, Yankees and all the different teams. And they hadn't done four moves that I taught them that day. And these are basic exercises that take out rotation in their body. This is why so many athletes get injured is they don't know what they don't know. And the trainers know what they know based on their experience. So when I go into a room to train the trainers, first thing I ask them is what certifications do you guys have in the room? So I know we're speaking Chinese to Chinese and Japanese to Japanese. Otherwise it just, 
they don't yeah. hear it. And it's like, you have to learn. But I think, you know, that's a really pragmatic approach as well. Like you said, Bobby, I mean, I, I get the impression from both of you, you're, you know, you get, you've got a lot of get up and go, you know, you're more just like, okay, let's take a bit of time to quickly focus on what needs to be done. But I think it's, you know, if life gives you lemon, make lemonade. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, that's the kind of, I think, you know, what an entrepreneur needs deep down. I guess for yourself as well, Rick, maybe it was slightly more complicated in terms of thinking because of the franchisees, you had questions coming almost like a, a big chain. You had people going into the franchise and to you, and then it was like a slight issue. How was your pandemic? Yeah, well, there's we've got like three fronts, if you will. One was our corporately owned gyms, which are all in Georgia. And yeah. You know, I'm north of Atlanta. And so we looked out. I mean, we were one of the first states. We were like in phase one reopening. We were only closed for like eight weeks, period. So we were really lucky. I laughed when they came out with oh like, my God. I wasn't complaining, but it was like phase one was like, you can reopen now. It's like the the, the uh, businesses that were bunched into phase one were really odd. It was gyms, which we were like, yes, you know, it was <laughs> yeah. massage parlors, bowling alleys. I'm like, great. So you can work out and do some bowling, maybe get a neck tat, you know, like yeah. these are all the most essential <laughs> things apparently. So, but we were really lucky. So our corporate gyms didn't suffer a little bit like Bobby, like even when we were shut down, like personal training, you know, our footprint is small. Um, on purpose, right? We we have a small tribe of people. There's an interesting number. It's called Dunbar's number, named after a British anthropologist, mm -hmm. and uh, does studies on cultures. And 150 is this magic number of people beyond close friends and family that you can actually maintain sort of this tribal relationship with. And there's big corporate companies that have taken this Dunbar's number to heart, like Gore that makes Gore-Tex, right? If they have a division that gets bigger than 150, they split it because they understand that, like, okay, great. If I'm not you know, if you're working in a top-down corporate structure where there's 800 people in your division, you know, you don't, you don't know the names of the other people, you know, it's a little bit detached. And so 150 is a good number. So we keep a small footprint, small number of customers paying more money. Yep. That helps because the inherent trust is higher, right? With a smaller tribe where you know their names, their kids' names, that type mm -hmm. of thing. And then we also had the digital assets in place. So we have a full-on app that can do everything from sending, you know, digitally driven exercises to pulling in my fitness pal to habit change, it pulls in wearables. So we could like set up, we could literally just take personal training live and put people into buckets and put coaches in charge of those buckets and do personal training virtually. So that was good. Obviously franchising took a beating because, you know, again, this is more of an investment opportunity. So if you're saying, Hey, I want to open some franchises in California, it's like, well, it's a tough state, you know? So people are going moving towards investment opportunities during COVID that were more lucrative, like HVAC or home renovations. Those things were exploding, as you guys know. So that made it tough on franchising. Brick and mortar is fine, franchising fine. And then licensing, it really just depends on where you were. Some areas of the world were more difficult. And of course, we weren't billing people for our services if they weren't allowed to be open, right? Um, so licensing was, was a bit of a strain, just depending on where people were located. But all in all, um, we, we were thankfully in a position to be able to weather it just fine and and uh, set ourselves up for for now which yeah. you know again things look great now but like you said yeah like saying now and earlier on you know like people are going to start there is going to be a higher trend of people looking after themselves hopefully you know people realize they need to get fit they need to get healthy they need to get out there more realize you know maybe they've been cooped up as well staring at zoom so long they want to kind of get out there in the real world or whatever i think there'll always potentially be a hybrid model now and people are willing to try out new ways of doing things 
But I think, you know, there is always going to be a counterbalance, isn't there, to what's happened, you know, a, a swing in the other direction as well. So, again, I'm excited to see, again, you know, the kind of innovation that comes out of the pandemic. I think I think a lot of businesses have had to do this. And I think, obviously, there's a lot more innovation to come. Before we go on to some of your tips for how you've grown your business, you know, obviously how to find new customers and really how you got confidence to do what you do. I always ask this one question of you because, you know, it's we know it's hard to run a business. How you define hard can be many different ways, but I'm very interested to know what your approach is to work-life balance and how you have hopefully good mental health and also good overall health because you're in the health business as well. You know, you both seem very positive people. You both seem like, you know, life is good for you. But, you know, like, like what is your approach to work-life balance? What do you do to chill out? What do you do to keep it all together? You want to go first, Bobby? Bobby. Uh, sure. Um, I, I think preparation. So I prepare the week. So I know what's going on in that week. And I fit in the things that I'm going to need for that week, whether it's my workouts, my kids, uh, my wife's health, you know, what's going on with her. Cause she's, my wife's super busy with her business. So I'm kind of her assistant on helping all that. So it's yeah. preparation is really key. And then to get up every morning, I always tell this to everyone, you got to know your why. So you got to figure out what, why are you doing this and really dive deep. I always say this, like the first time I train somebody, I put them on the treadmill and we start walking yeah. and they'll give you all the surface answers. I want to lose weight. I want to do da, 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 da. And then after 40 minutes, they say, finally, this is why I want to do it. And it's yeah. like, there's your why. We're going to attack that and we're going to be successful in the end because you now have your why to get up and why are you going to do this workout? You know, I want to play more golf, you know, whatever that is. Um, so it's like, you really have to ask the right questions to yourself and then listen to really, what do you need? And, um, you know, and I do everything moderation, yeah. nothing where it's like extreme anymore. You know, <laughs> I used to I used to be way extreme and now it's less extreme. Yeah. So it's moderation. I, I, I just want to point that out, everybody as well. That's got almost like a bumper sticker kind of feel to it. It's kind of like that. I don't do anything too much extreme anymore. Just like put in there at the end as well. The anymore was the kind of punchline yeah. of that. I loved it. Very, very good. How about yourself, Rick? Like, you know, how is, what's your approach to work-life balance, mental health, putting in things to make sure that you can chill out as well? I have none. I'm completely <laughs> mentally unstable and I, no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, I think for me, the key is like as a CEO, you know, there's an old adage that says a board CEO is a good CEO, right? Mm-hmm. And so if I'm honest, day in the life of, I'm not that busy. I sleep as late as I want, you know, I do whatever I need to do. And that's all a byproduct of hiring. I'm literally the dumbest person on my team, right? So if I need a COO, I'm going to find a great COO that knows much more about that role than I do. Right. And so for me, I've been at least smart enough to understand that I'm not that smart. And so that I need to hire very qualified people to do their jobs. And if you hire them and you give them the right guardrails and they understand the vision and the core values of your company, and you're all headed in the same direction. So I tend to be as best a servant leader as I can just lend support where I can try to make, you know, spend most of my time thinking on big strategic moves that we're going to make. Um, you know, I've also heard it described as like the CEO should recognize what needs to be done. They're just not the one to do it. And I think that fits me, me perfectly. You know, I, I probably can't execute on, on nearly anything, if I'm honest, but yeah. I, I can understand, you know, thankfully I've got a pretty good lens after 30 years of working in the industry with all different types of brands and sitting on 
every imaginable board that you can think of from, you know, anytime fitness to gold's gym to the ACE to, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, you know, but, but you do, you gather enough information, right. Um, and you just sit back. And so I make less decisions and do less work now than I ever have, but the things I do are much more impactful. So it's for me more about just having the right mindset, I think, going into it and understanding where I'm needed and where I need to lean in and also where I need to be hands off and just let my team do their work. So I think for me, that's been a learning curve for sure. But that's something I'm, I'm still working on, but I've gotten much better. For sure. <laughs> Aren't we all? But I think, you know, I, I want to pick up on that word mindset. I think that was kind of almost what you were saying as well, Bobby, in terms of know your why. You know, we were yeah. doing business coaches last week. We were recording on the previous episode and, you know, that was all about mindset, you know, developing this mindset, having, you know, defining your why and being very, very driven towards that. But I think, again, for anybody who's listening, who's in those early stages, Yes, obviously, you can get to that point after 30 years, you know, you learn this, you learn experience, this delegation, like you said, the trust in people as well, but also being able to make those quick decisions as well. And I read this something recently, it was like, you know, you won't make every decision right. But as long as you can make quick decisions, hopefully you'll make more decisions, the correct ones than obviously wrong ones as well. So really, really good. Right now, as we go into part two of the show, I'm really interested to get some of your kind of potential, let's call them, say, business insider tips. And this is a question which I always ask of you. And, you know, you might need to look back into your life here. You know, we don't need to talk pandemic, hopefully, anymore, but you can drop it in there if you want. But I'm always interested to know what your methods are when you go to launch something new. And this could be a, a new business idea. It could be a new product that you start selling. It could be a new marketing exercise. I'm just interested to know, like, you know, what, what do you put in place to make it happen? You know, what's given you the confidence? What research do you do? Are you an instinct guy? Like, like what have you done in the past when you've launched something new to, to get it off the ground and, and see it through? I'll throw this out there for whoever wants to grab it, Bobby. It's well, for me, it was like, I look back and go, how did I start this? Like, Oh my God. Like, I don't, I, I honestly don't know what made me start looking for a manufacturer in China, start finding the pieces, except I think I wanted to help my clients. That's, mm. that's why it started. I was take, I was taking yoga straps and drawing lines on it and telling my golf pros, do this exercise, hold your hands here, move it here, move it here. And then I'm like, one day I'm like, why don't I just put numbers on that? Then I was helping these 75 year old ladies try to stretch their hamstrings with that same <laughs> yoga strap and they couldn't hold their hands long enough because they were just weak. So I looked for a vest online. They didn't have it. And I went and made that. It took me a year to get the first prototype. Yeah. And when I got it, I broke it in my hands and I'm like, oh my God. So I had to go find another manufacturer for the next three, four, six months. Um, but I think like everything, you have to take steps forward and you may fail, but your failing is teaching you something if you're paying attention. And I, I say it's like being a track star. You're, you're running hurdles and you got all these hurdles there. And you might go around the first hurdle, over the second hurdle, under the third hurdle, and then kick the fourth hurdle over. It doesn't matter how you get there, but you got to keep moving forward. So there's, there's no failure with keep going. And yeah. I'm kind of that guy that's ignorant to where I'm going and I just keep running and I'm kind of a crazy man that way. So things happen and people are always shocked that things are happening, but it's because I keep moving that way. And, yeah. um, and then finding good mentors and people around you to ask the right questions and to help you lead you down the path. So you don't make that mistake that maybe you would have flown blindly and had no idea. So 
that's the best experience I could give you or explanation of how it helped me get to where I am today. I think what you're saying is have confidence in your conviction, find those problems to solve, but also use many data points to back that up as well. Like you said, mentors and get advice for people. And like you said, keep moving forward, just keep moving and things will work out as well. Right. Rick, what do you think? Like beyond just saying to your team, go make this happen, everybody. It's yeah, you know, what about yourself over the years? Yeah, I think for me, you know, learning how to think has been the most important thing. So to be able to wear a different set of lenses, you know, part of it is what is your skill set, right? Because you can be, and I see both ends of this where people that, let's just say there's a scale of one to 10. And if you're sitting at a two, as far as your skill set and your knowledge, and you're trying to work in a level five opportunity vehicle, you're going to suffer. You don't have the skill set, right? And I often see people that are somewhat underemployed who have a eight level skills, but they're, you know, and they're wondering why they can't grow, but it's really just because their opportunity vehicles like a two. And so it's like, well, it's because of what you're doing, right? So for us, there's that, like, or do you have the skill set to move into the realm that you need to? And if not do some of the things Bobby mentioned, get them, you know, find somebody who's done what you want to do and go learn from that person or take a course. I mean, geez, you can take Harvard courses online these days. I've taken a ton of them. They're great. Right. So there's that. And I think, you know, there's a great book that I reread often. It's called Decisive by Dan Chip Heath. And they describe in the book, there's four villains of decision making. And one of them is confirmation bias, as you can imagine. I mean, that's a prevalent thing this this day and age, right? And then you've got like overconfidence in past decisions. And what you find out from reading this is the, the glorification of the entrepreneurial spirit and the, uh, the idea that you trust your gut, you know what to do, gut instinct, it's really just not true. And I know that's not romantic to say that on a show to entrepreneurs, but you should have a mechanism in place. You know, that the, the antidotes to these things are like, prepare to be wrong. Like, okay, when you start moving up the ladder and you have more assets to protect, you have to mitigate, like, what is the worst possible downside to this decision? Can I live with that? Because you have assets to protect now, right? And so it's not like, this whole burn the ships and throw caution to the wind and all that sounds romantic. It's a terrible lens for making business decisions. <laughs> Horrible. So if you want to know if something works like, you know, bullets before cannonballs is another uh, thing that we use often. If you have a finite amount of gunpowder, which could be team financial resources, whatever that is, you're going to dump all of your gunpowder and shoot a cannonball at an opposing ship, not knowing if you find your range. And so the smart play is put a little gunpowder in and shoot some bullets until you find your range. Once you get a hot spot or, you know, you find your range, then you dump all your gunpowder in. And so I think there's things like that, that there's techniques and strategies and processes that can overcome all those villains of decision-making that we're all, you know, susceptible to whether we like it or not. So I would say that I'm probably not an advocate of burn the ships and, trust your gut and just go with your feels and all that, because all of those things can be horribly flawed. Feelings are fleeting, right? I'm more of a stoic. It's like, well, let's test it first and see if it works. Right. So we had the advantage, obviously of being in business for 30 years and working with 2,300 gyms. So you're like, should we go to franchising? It's like, we're literally powering other franchise brands. So like, we know what's scalable in market, you know I mean? Sure. I wish I would have franchised 30 years ago, but like, there's no way I could have done it. I wouldn't have known. I wouldn't have had the information that I have now. And so I think it's important for entrepreneurs to hear that. Like, don't get too caught up in the glorification and the romantic 
you know, the romanticizing yeah. uh, entrepreneurship, like run a process because guess what? You're flawed like every other human. And I don't care, you know, how smart you think you are, you know, you can, you can lob a turd out there every now and then we all do it. And you <laughs> hope it's not catastrophic. Right. So yeah. stress test your ideas a little bit. That's what I would that's say. It, that's what I was saying is it took me years figuring this stuff out hmm. where now that I look, I could have sped up the process drastically if I knew what I knew now, but I took a lot of bullets, like you said, not knowing, and I was doing it for the right reasons, but I had no reason of where I needed to go and why, if that makes sense. I mean, I started making the tools for my clients and it wasn't, I wasn't even thinking money. I was thinking they need this tool. Let's fix that. You know, that sort of thing. And that's how it all came about. That, that as well. I mean, it reminds Great. me of that book. I, I presume you both read it. Shoe dog, you know, the Phil Knight story from Nike. Uh, oh yeah yeah yep. really worth I mean I've, I've probably read it twice now it's such an easy read but it reminds me of back in the day when they're obviously you know uh, they're, they're doing the track shoes and they're trying to put spikes in and the glue is coming off on the track star's foot and all this sort of stuff and that was it you know like you you were an innovator Bobby like you said with your yoga straps and stuff like that you know you you feel yeah. the need you know I, I know a guy down the road here he owns a record store you know selling vinyl records and everything like that and it's high-end equipment, talking $5,000, $10,000 a piece. But he actually makes in-house his own contraptions, which are obviously very personal to different things because he knows it will sell. And he'll sell something like an add-on to the record player for $300 or $500 or something. But he understands the fact that it needs something slightly different, very customizable. So a bit like yourself, you know, you find it. And then I guess over time, you can mass produce it and, and obviously kind of get that to market as well. But no, like, look, guys, don't worry about sugarcoating anything on here. We will or not sugarcoating anything. I always say this to our guests, like, you know, everybody who's listening or watching here, you know, we need people to get a, a realistic view of as you know of what it's like to run a business, you know, and get as many kind of a uh, ideas about what that's really like. Um, how do you find your customers now? I mean, I know obviously you have social media presences. But like, ultimately, what do you put your money into now in terms of finding customers? I mean, yours might be slightly different, Rick, in terms of franchisees, but I know obviously you have the other elements to your business. Bobby, you, you obviously have a few things going on. Like, like, where do you rely on getting kind of new, I guess, customers and deal flow and everything? Well, a lot of mine, yeah, a lot of mine is, is word of mouth, yeah. uh, social media, and then gym owners, and then yeah. players. So I always ask, you know, I help my people. I always say, can you guys share with your people? And if it's, we're, we're trickling down. So it's, mine's been a slow growth kind of, you know, widespread roots now. Um, um, but I, I enjoy working with the like top guys because they're the experts, you know, the Todd Durkins. I love to go work with these guys, Benny from the Oklahoma um, state team, um, Oklahoma. Um, the, these are the best guys in the industry. So I go network through these guys and share and then share more stories because people need to see other people doing this stuff to believe they can do it. And you got to show all types of people. Um, most of the time people are putting barriers up in front of them before they even get started. And it's like, they got to just let that go, get rid of the fear and move forward, you know? Yeah. And it's like, these guys are great guys to work with. And, uh, yeah, so so referrals word of mouth is so strong, I think, as well, and something like this. Uh, similar for you, Rick, or if you have like more of an omni-channel approach, I'm interested to know about yourself. Yeah, I think so. I mean, franchising is a, is a different beast, right, in and of itself. So 
there's a lot of ways to produce franchise leads. Um, you can, you know, organic, obviously, you know, we're constantly pumping content, writing articles. LinkedIn's a bigger deal than it was when we were B2C right now that it's, yeah. you're selling a business model to a business opportunity as a business opportunity. LinkedIn is a big deal. We are registered in all the big broker networks. So that's like a whole nother ball game that would bore everyone to tears. But essentially these are people that are finding people coming out of corporate and then helping them identify an opportunity next. And these are what's called franchise consultants or franchise brokers. So we work within all the broker networks, which is you know uber expensive, but you really have to do it if you want to grow quickly, because these are people that are bringing you financially qualified, really well vetted leads. So we yeah. play in that space as well as organic, um, you know, obviously marketing through the members of the gyms, you know, that, that might want to, to invest in an opportunity as well. And that's all the B2B stuff. And then B2C, it's like, you know, once you nail your customer avatar, so once we know that archetype, it's very easy to build content, the content meaning like, you know, the literally the verbiage, the pictures, the videos that fit that avatar and speak to them directly. So the B2C marketing, obviously we've been doing it for 30 years. That's a bit simpler than marketing to investors for franchise opportunities. Um, but I think any and all things, really. I mean, it's 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 what Bobby said. It's contacts. It's friends of friends. It's industry contacts for me, for sure. It's broker networks. It's like all things, you know, yeah. that that you can that you can explore to uh, to get leads. But and yeah, guess, it's it's fun. It's it's marketing a whole a whole new business. Yeah, and I guess as well, like you're saying, in terms of Dunbar method and stuff we were discussing earlier, you know, that's a great community to leverage as well. If you do know people's names or whatever, people feel that personal touch. There's referrals in numerous ways, whether that's personal, but also potential franchisees or people telling friends in other states or whatever. Yeah, we need to do this. So. Yeah, no, I think we're big fans of referrals here. I think it's, you know, word of mouth marketing. We know it works. I guess everything else just backs up what you kind of do as well. It obviously just gives you that more exposure as well. Um, we discussed it briefly before, but, you know, I, I know, you know, it's come up already a couple of times about some of your favorite business resources, maybe. But I'm interested, like, who inspires you as entrepreneurs? You know, like who are your favorite entrepreneurs that you follow for advice? Maybe some favorite books that you would point people towards. Um, you know, like 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 where do you get your inspiration from, and where would you potentially point other entrepreneurs to? You know, we're building a library here of great books and resources, so feel free to let us uh, know a few of them. Well, I I jumped in it, with uh, Alden Mills is in our area here. He he invented perfect push up, so right. I I I jumped in with him, and he's now speaking. He's a uh, ex seal. He's now speaking on getting people to like big performers to get better. And that's what he's a master of. And then TRX is right here also. So I went and chatted with Randy about what I could do and how I could team up with the right people and that sort of thing. So I go around like picking brains with people. And then I love watching Shark Tank, you yep. know, um, with the different things they hit on the business there over all the years. I've learned so much. Um, but you're constantly learning. If, you're, if you want to grow and be better, you're constantly learning. And that's what I was telling you. The first two years of training, I wasn't growing. I was like the expert. I know my stuff. I stay in my lane. And that's what I know. And yeah. now there's a lot of lanes and a lot of information you can get from so many people. Um, so it's making those contacts and chatting with those people so you can learn more and figure out you know, how to get better every day. It's like being an athlete, I, used, I guess, is why I used to be the same way with as an athlete trying to jump higher, run faster, who was doing it and how could I be like them? That sort yeah. of thing. So, Amazing. So, yeah. 
Yeah, for I would say for me, as far as resources, geez, there's just so many. You know, I'm a I'm just a, a you know a, a reader of all things. You know, it's not always business books, but a, a lot of it is right, and a lot of it it's like. I've heard entrepreneurship described as a personal journey disguised as business. And I think that's a great description because it kind of goes back to what I was saying about if you want to be in a, in a vehicle that provides you with a financial opportunity, as an example, that you feel like you deserve, well, then you need to upskill yourself, right? You can't be the CEO of a large company if you don't have that skill set. And so I think, you know, you just have to continue to look to upskill yourself. I talked about, you know, taking Harvard courses online, things like that are really, you know, impactful. Um, I would say entrepreneur wise, you know, I'm a big believer in like some of the Simon Sinek stuff, like the infinite games. If you have read his book, infinite games, it's great because you can get caught up in there. You know, certainly if you look at like public companies, right, you're literally surviving by the quarter and you're making short-term decisions to appease shareholders, which aren't always the long-term vision that you need. And you see that sometimes is catastrophic for some large companies. But I think, you know, in Infinite Games, what he describes is like the, the actual goal is to just stay in the game, right? Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that there's not finite scores within your business that you need to track, like metrics and sales and profit margins and all these things that you need to do to have a viable business. But at the end of the day, the goal is just to keep going and just to stay in the game, right? I mean, that's yeah. the ultimate key. And so I think if I look at entrepreneurs that seem to embody that, you know, say what you want about Elon Musk. I loved it when he was at a brief moment in time, the wealthiest man in the world. And I can distinctly remember his tweet as a response. I think he copied and pasted the article saying Elon Musk is now the wealthiest man in the world. And he just literally posted his comment was like, like, hmm, you know, isn't that strange? Now back to work, right? Because what's the point? Like, it's it doesn't matter, right? It's just... At the end of the day, if you do a great job and you can do some of the things we've already talked about, you're probably going to be able to do just fine as far as making a living. So what is it that you're really trying to do? It's just to keep going, you know, to stay yeah. in the game. And so for me, you know, The E-Myth Revisited was a great book. It speaks more to franchising, anything from Simon Sinek, just about leadership and whatnot. It's always, always good. And then I don't know, I, I feel like at least from a crop duster height that Elon Musk, you know, embodies some of that. So we'll see. But yeah. Of course, no. That's that too. Brilliant. I would say for me, that's great advice, Rick. As well, I think it uh, reminds me of that Japanese saying "kaizen." You know, the kind of continuous improvement. I think if you stay in the game yes. but keep making these improvements each day, then it all adds up. If you can get one percent better each day, then you know, over one quarter, you can maybe double the productivity of your business as well. So, no, that's really, really good to see. Um, I'll go into you next, obviously, uh, for this next kind of uh, one. You know, for people who are actually thinking about starting their own business, what, what, what advice would you give to them? You know, maybe they're just thinking about going, you know, like they, they've got an idea they've been always wanting to work on. What, what advice would you give to somebody who literally just needs maybe that advice to start something? Yeah, I would say make sure that you're funded well. Right. Because I think what we typically see is that if people are underfunded, that's one thing I like about franchising is there are financial qualifications and that's to protect the investor, the franchisee, as well as us. Right. To make sure that they, they can they can have some staying power. But I would say make sure that you're properly funded. So you do need some type of a business plan or perform a built to say, OK, this is my business plan. This is how I will generate revenue. These will be my estimated expenses. This is how much revenue or capital I need to create a runway long enough for me to be successful, right? 
So I would say those things. And then I would go back to what I had mentioned earlier, which is like, hey, fire bullets before cannonballs, right? Get out there and make sure to stress test some of your assumptions, because sometimes entrepreneurship can be um, something that you personally like and love, right? You feel it's close to your heart. And then your whole goal is then to just sort of force feed this idea to the market. And that's not what a business does. If you look at what a business is really meant to do, you identify a gap or a problem in the market, and then you build a machine to solve said problem. It's not about what you're personally passionate about, like a kettlebell, let's say fitness. I'm I'm speaking certainly to fitness, but, you know, one specific thing like, oh, I love working out. So I'm going to open a gym. Terrible idea. Because by the way, you're not going to have any time to work out anyway. So it, it's you know, it's like, <laughs> but that's what you see a lot of certainly young entrepreneurs. Yeah. They develop a passion around a process or a thing or a tool or a modality or something. And then they want to go all in. I'm like, make sure again that you stress test these ideas and that the market wants what you're selling. Because if yeah. it's just a personal passion of yours, that's not going to be enough to, to keep you afloat. And just obviously to play devil's advocate there, if they struggle to get financing or investment early on. Is it just, you know, I, I, obviously it's doable. You read the stories. Is it just going to take them longer to do that? And it's going to be, like you said, difficult to stay in the game, to to quote Simon Sinek. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you can always bootstrap it. But, I mean, make sure, again, as you're building your business plan, are you making profit? I mean, things like pricing structures are so important. I think the average gym, you know, in the United States has profit margins of 10%. It's like, yeah. well, if you just raise your rates, if you raise your rates 5%, it goes straight to the bottom line. It could literally double your profit margin, right? So it's all these little nuanced things yeah. in business that you have to look at that are super important. So make sure that you upskill yourself. Again, like Bobby mentioned earlier, find people that are doing something that you want to do, hire them, badger them, ask them out for lunch, whatever that is, right? Yeah. And just make sure before you burn the ship, so you know, say that as yeah. a joke again, <laughs> that you really stress test some of your wacky ideas and that you know that there's actually a market for it that's viable. You know, sometimes you'll look at a market and there's no one else doing it. You're like, I'm the only one in this market. That could be a huge red flag. There may not be a market there at all. That may be why no one else is in it, right? Yeah. So, or it's really crowded. It's like, well, yeah, but if you look at Amazon, they don't sell any different products and you could buy anywhere else. They just do it uber conveniently and really fast. Yeah. That's what they did. Right. And so it's like, okay, maybe it's that, you know, anything that's, that improves a process or brings down friction or solves a problem in a better way, you know, then you probably got something there. So I think it's a, there's a lot to unpack there. Oh <laughs> no, there is. But I mean, that's I great advice. On- I think we might isolate yeah, I that. I could drone that. on for hours. I feel like <laughs> I feel like the buzzkill McGee of the podcast for you today. You're like, what do you want to do? I'm like, don't do it. Do you know you what know we're doing? Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's true. If you know what, what are we talking about at the moment? It's the big resig- the great resignation or whatever. That yeah, we Rick's did, we advice would be like, keep your job, don't go into entrepreneurship. <laughs> you know, so get a no, steady job no, at a bank or something. <laughs> well, so, it's not yeah. like you jump in and it gets easier. It gets harder. That's the thing we're trying to say. If you've been yeah. in the business and you've been doing this, unless you got lucky with something that just, you know, exploded, yeah. it's, it's work. So you guys see the, like Rick said, 30 years of experience in the last 12 years of trying to build the business that like, wow, you're amazing. I want to do that too. And they're six months into it. And they're, why am I not there? Because yeah. you're 12 years behind. So yeah. it's like you said, Rick, it's that 10 years of experience of all the hurdles that we hopped and knocked down, went under and jumped that everybody sees the prettiness and the happy. It's just like the commercial with um, LeBron James, you know, when you guys are sleeping, I'm working and that's, you don't see that, but that's why I am who I am. 
Yeah. Uh, that's how all the best people at anything are. Yeah, that's it's what they say, like, don't they? Like the uh, the boxers, you know, who are the best ones, you know, the, 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 it's either the, the, the match has already won in the training, you know, it's when they're on the road pounding the pavements at 5 a.m. It's literally the match is usually won before they actually get there because of that kind yeah. of extra mental strength they've had to go through the power don't get me wrong if they get a big sucker punch they might be out but i think you know generally you can <laughs> tell if a boxer comes into the ring and they're not prepared you know they physically they're ready you know everything is mindset down the ring you know they're the aisle walk you know when they're really up for it as well right we're going to jump into our rapid fire round to close up now guys so a um, again feel free to make it rapid but put some meat on the bones if you wish as well so we always ask these questions and uh, we'll start with you first, Rick. Uh, and then obviously we'll move on to Bobby as well. So say I bumped into you in three years time, where would you like your business to be then? In three years time, we will have 300 franchises sold. We'll have over a hundred open and we'll be shopping our first round of private equity. Okay, make sure you give me a shout as well so I can get in on that round as well. I, I do like an investment. I like those kind of growth figures there. That's good. How right, about yourself? You like that? Friends and family round? Oh, please do. Well, By the way, the friends and family round is always $5 million. Have you ever noticed that? It's like, hey, I'm doing a startup. I'm doing a friends and family round. We're trying to raise. I'm like, let me guess, $5 million. They're like, yes. I'm like, got it. Yeah. So... <laughs> If, 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 if you become the global uh, fitness franchise in the world, then it will be money well spent, I can guarantee. How about yourself, right. Bobby? A, um, you know, like say I bumped into you in three years' time. Where would you like BAM to be? Uh, well, I'd like to have a 1,000 trainers around the country being able to teach um, so they could help other people, uh, which would probably put 30,000 people into the BAM equipment. And um, I just... I need to find that right person, a business guy like a Rick Mayo to talk to, to really figure out how we could do this and get in front of 2,300 gyms would be awesome because they have 10 to 20 trainers each. And we're talking right there, the numbers. And it's like, like I said, it's not a quick fix. I've solved a problem and I want to, I want to get it out there. So that's what I'm looking at is really training the trainers and getting on more TV shows too, being active with uh, media, because I like being in front of the camera. I used to not but I'm kind of getting used to it. And I've shot a lot of videos over the years now. So um, yeah, but like, that's where I'd I like think from what you just said as well, if you get to know with the right people that could turbocharge your, you know, time horizon in terms of making that happen, of knowing that. So no, that's great to hear. If you could yeah. use one or two words to describe what it's actually like to run a business, what two words would you choose? Again, Rick, we'll start with you. Painful. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I figure if I'm going to be the buzzkill guy, that has to be my answer. You, you can do, you can no, do lights and shades, yin and yang, whatever you want to do. I, okay, good, good, good. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah, the healthy friction. Um, I, I think it's a wonderful. I mean, I, I, this is all I've ever done. So this is the upside of entrepreneurship. I think if you build a skill set and you're more of a stoic, you know, control the things you can, let go of the things you can't, and you really lean into that, that there's, there's no other way to do it. I mean, it's like, man, to... To wake up every day on your own schedule, even if it's brutally hard, it's at least it's yours, right? And that's that's really key. And you're working for that strong why that Bobby mentioned earlier. That's all it takes, you know? And if you keep this idea of like, there's no winning, there's no beating your competition per se, as much as it's more of a fight to to just stay in the game, right? If you keep yeah. that in mind, I, I absolutely love it. Like it is um, 
it's the most rewarding thing in the world to, to be an entrepreneur. And so I can't state enough how wonderful it is, even though it's got difficulties, you know, and I'm certainly armored up for those after 30 years, I still think it's worth it. I wouldn't have it any other way. So I would say it's all rainbows and sunshine over here, Johnny. That's what wow. I would say. <laughs> this is what I love. And look, look, I'll be honest with you. I, I've interviewed many people on this podcast and outside. There's no worries that there is no vibe of buzzkill, but you know, people want realism. That's what we need to you know, yeah. as well. So yep. rainbows and sunshine, I'm going to steal painful in there, maybe as a bridge over the top or something as well. As well sure. So. Yeah, that's right. How about yourself, Bob? If you could use a couple of words to describe what it's like to run a business. I'd say work smart, not hard. So make sure you're smart about what you're doing and then be consistent. Have a plan. That's that's really how you'll get things done. Okay, Um, amazing. You know, coal Uh, miners, I always say, are the hard workers. They're the... (laughs) And you don't want to be a coal miner. You want to be the guy outside the coal mine doing the work, so... Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It really does. Um, Rick, as an entrepreneur, what does success ultimately mean to you? Hmm. Well, I think I'm, I'm restating this like probably the 10th time on this on this call already. <laughs> but for me, the success is just to, to stay in the game, right? That's it. Yeah. Play the game well, treat people well, put your head on the pillow each night, knowing you're making a difference and just keep going. Like just to be able to stay in the game should be the goal. And to me, that's the ultimate definition of success. Because if you, if you are, then you're making all, again, those finite scores are coming into play. You are profitable and you are helping people and you're providing a good vehicle or a machine, if you will, that solves a problem in a market, right? And it's working. So but all that manifests itself is like, hey, you're still able to get up every day and stay in this game. To me, that's the ultimate success. Yeah. Bobby, similar or? I like to solve problems and inspire. So people, if they're inspired and we solve the problem for them and they can do it, they start to get confident, they feel great, and they go down the path they want to go down. So Okay, amazing. Final question I have for you, be pleased to know, um, where would you like to point people towards? Where can they find you and your business online? Uh, Rick, how about yourself? Where, where would you like to send people towards? Yeah, ours is simple. It's just alloyfranchise.com. And there's a form there that you can fill out and I will receive it if you want to reach out to me about anything personally. And then obviously I'm all over social media everywhere. And that's just by my name, you know, Rick Mayo, M-A-Y-O. And you can find me anywhere. Yeah, amazing. Bobby, where would you like to send people towards? Uh, they can go to BAM Metrics, so BAM-Metrics.com, and yeah. uh, you can get some information there and see. And uh, you also can find me on Instagram, at uh, BAM Metrics, and you can see a bunch of stuff that we talk about on there. Um, but yeah, I would hope, hope you guys reach out and we can talk more about making a difference out there, you know. I think we will. Look, I think it's been such an amazing show today. I've really enjoyed having you as guests on the Go Solo show. You know, I think, you know, even on some of the answers you've given, the fact you drilled deeper into it and you've been able to kind of, you know, just give many reasons as to why you've given that answer has been so strong. So I think whether people are thinking about setting up a fitness business or any other kind of business, I think there's so many takeaways. So yeah, really, really good. So this just gets me to say, thank you, Rick. Thank you, Bobby, for joining us on the Go Solo show today. I hope you've had fun and good luck for the future as well. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Johnny. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem at all. Good luck. Take care. See you soon. Bye. All right. Cheers. 
thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Go Solo Show, powered by Subkit. We hope you've had a great time and picked up many new ideas for your own business. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and to follow us on Twitter at team underscore go solo. If you're inspired to get started on your own enterprise yourself, then check us out at subkit.com. We're here for whenever you're ready. I've been Johnny Quirk, and until next time, keep winning.